Good morning. I believe I'm on. Good morning, Dina. Thank you, uh, Becca and Zach. Thank you, Teresa and Jesse. Thank you, Carrie, for preparing us to enter into the Word of God. Today, we're going to study, give thought, read thought on uh, Mark 14, 32 through 52, a time when uh, the Lord has been betrayed and he's arrested. I uh, had some time over the past week to think of this and you start to realize that most people have had or will have a time of adversity. There will be uh, times when we will confront things that uh, we did not know were inevitable, but they are. We forget many times to lean or look to the Lord. And uh, in these passages today, I hope that we'll be able to understand what is necessary of us to do to keep and uh, carry our walk. This morning, we're going to move into Mark 14. We'll start at 32 and move to 38. But before we do, if you all join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your son, for uh, his suffering, even though his suffering is hard to even think about and to talk about. It was necessary, and because of it, we are able to speak to you through him. We're able to take him as our savior. We're able to uh, walk past our sin and to be on a path to glory with you forever. We pray, Father, that this morning we will recognize your son as our savior. We'll recognize the sacrifice that he made and that we will move forward in committing ourselves to him and uh, submitting ourselves as well to him. We ask you, Father, to bless us today as the word is brought forth. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Now, as we uh, start here at 32, I think I'd like to go back and at least bring you uh, up to speed. The Passover is still, we're still in the Passover day. The Passover has been celebrated. Uh, the Lord's Supper has been instituted. Uh, Jesus has made a few announcements about betrayal, about denial, even about abandonment. Uh, he has uh, blessed the disciples. He's asked them to love one, one another as he's loved them. And they've sung their song to celebrate the Passover. And time has come. And they're moving from the room where they were celebrating. And they're going to the garden. And it is at this point we start to appreciate that there's some anticipation about the hours to come. I think many of us have forgotten that this is happening within the span of probably 18 hours. We'll say 24, but about the span of 18 hours that uh, our Lord will be arrested, punished, crucified. And he knew that. We know it now because it's written for us, but he knew that because he was aware of what was to happen. The people that were with him at the time did not know. And so we join this uh, scripture and this story at verse 32, chapter 14. They came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. 
and he took with him Peter and James and John. And he began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground, began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He came and found him sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We see here that a picture that's painted of Christ that uh, would not be what you'd say the best picture. He uh, appears to be anxious. He's concerned, says he's troubled and distressed to the point of death. Now, we would not assume that because I think more often than not, we assume that Christ does everything, can do everything without remembering that he has humanity. And in his humanity, he's going to have uh, feelings. And those feelings are shown here that he is distressed and troubled. He knows what's about to happen. He knows that he's going to be arrested. He knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows that he's going to be scorched. And he knows that he's going to be crucified. And in anticipation of that, in knowing that, his spirit, not his Holy Spirit, his humanity is saying, Lord, Father, Father, if it is your will, please remove this cup from me. But if it is not, then I will take it. And he had brought Peter, he brought James, and brought John with him to pray with him. And he asked him to sit and to watch and to pray. He came back after he'd gone to pray, and they were sleeping. Now, this indicates many things to me. The uh, first is, these men were tired, and their flesh was ruling them and not their spirit. And he came back and he said to them, you couldn't just be awake for an hour to pray with me, to pray for me? And then he left them, 39. Again, he went away and prayed and sang the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Now, I want to stop here and look at this whole series of verses. There's uh, adversity, and Christ knows that. And he has done and given us an example of what we should be doing. When we get into a position of trouble, we know something's bad is going to happen, our first move should be to pray. And we should gather around us as many people as we know are good praying people, believers, Christians who love the Lord, to have them pray with you and for you. Disciples he brought, he brought them to the garden with him. He had them sit 
I sat in one, one area. He took three with him to get closer to where he was going, and then he went on, on his own. And still, it was only him that was praying. The disciples were falling asleep. They were resting. They weren't paying much attention. And uh, he was on his own. And still with all of that, he accepted God's will. Now, if you look at the synoptic gospels, you will see different things mentioned. And in these, you'll find that uh, one of the gospels says that an angel came and strengthened Christ. And another will tell you that he was so distressed and, and, and so upset that he sweat blood. Now, that's an actual disease. It's a rare disease. Hematosclerosis is what it's called, and actually you uh, bleed blood from your sweat glands. But the stress has to be so great. And so if you can start to think about a stress that was so great that would bring you to the point of death, if you can even think of that, then you can kind of put yourself in a position where Christ was. And I know that none of us can do that, but I would ask you to at least understand what's going on. Now I have the biggest example that I have as a uh, human being is watching a woman be pregnant and have a baby. And uh, in doing that, the pregnancy is, is, is a very wondrous and, 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 and glorious thing, but the woman knows the inevitability of that pregnancy. She must labor. No one else can labor. No one else will deliver that baby from her body but her. And it will not be on, it will not be easy. It will be difficult. It will hurt. It will be hard. Men, we uh, many times ignore um, the responsibilities we have as men, as husbands, as fathers, that we have a responsibility that uh, in that relationship, we are supposed to care for our wives. We're supposed to care for our children. And we find that difficult sometimes. In both of those situations, we should be turning to God, not to the doctor, not to your best friend, but you turn to God first, you ask God for his will. You can ask for relief, but if there is no relief, you can ask if you would be able to accept his will and to take it and to go as things go. We have responsibilities and have things that we need to make sure that we follow through because God has a plan. His plan will come through and we need to make sure that we have submitted ourselves and understand that. Christ, understanding all those things, suffered the temptations, the agonies, the distress, he became sin. And I think that most people will think that this, is, this can't be Christ. And, and my statement would be the understanding that I've received is that you have a man who's 100% God, 100% man, and now he's displaying all the hurt, all the agony. He understands now that there's going to be separation from God. 
that relationship has never ever been separated. And that has to be something that impacted him horribly to the point of death. He asked, he requested that the cup be removed from him. But he also said, it's not your will, then I will do your will, Father. The disciples, what, what were they doing? Why, why were they sleeping? You know, they, they were just like you and me. It was late at night. They'd been up all day. They were tired. They went to sleep. How often have you had a situation where someone asked you for help and you said yes, but you didn't do it? There was an excuse here or there because your flesh was weak. Your spirit wanted to, but your flesh was weak. The Lord's telling you now that for you to keep yourself from falling into temptation, you must go to prayer first. And that's the, the gist of this. Christ took his disciples with him to the garden. He let them know what kind of stress he was under. And he asked them, watch and pray. Not only for him, for him, but he also said that you need to pray for yourselves to keep yourself from falling into temptation. We forget that prayer should be constant. That prayer should be something that we always do. In the Lord's Prayer, he told, he, it says the same thing. He is not a temptation. He's saying here, pray so that you don't fall into temptation. We must pray. We cannot, under any circumstance, ignore that our guidance is from the Lord. And Christ has set this example for us, that in a time of stress, in a time of adversity, we need to move first to prayer on our knees before the Lord and ask for guidance. You may make a request, but you must acknowledge that God is in control. And then you submit and you go forward. As we proceed, he said, get up. Let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. 43. Immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, came up accompanied by a crowd of swords and clubs who were from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now he who was betraying him had given him, them a signal saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away under guard. After coming, Judas immediately went to him saying, Rabbi, and kissed him. They laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Continue. And Jesus said to them, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures, and they all fled him and, and fled him, left him and fled. A young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seized him. But he pulled away, free of the linen sheet, and escaped naked. This is the second half. He'd been praying. He asked the Lord, he asked God, his father, and he addressed him as father to remove the cup. But he said, not my will, thine be done. He was, as the 
Gospels say he was strengthened by an angel. So God answered his prayer. He gave him what he needed, the sufficiency to make it through this ordeal. And you see that now, because I think everyone thinks that Judas was in control, or the priests were in control, or that the soldiers that came again were in control, when in fact, if you read through the scripture, Christ was in control. He asked them, who are you seeking? They told him, he says, I am he. And when, when that occurred, it knocked them back. The power of just his statement of who he was was significant enough to move them away from him. And yet he allowed them, he allowed them to seize him and take him. But during all of that, he also made sure that disciples were set free. He asked to let them go because you came for me, you have me, let the rest of these people go. And at the time of his seizure, they were fleeing. Were they frightened? Were they afraid? I think they were disappointed. I think they did not know what was going on. I think they were confused. This was their Messiah and now he was being arrested. He had not overtaken and knocked everything down. He had not killed everybody there and said, I am he, I am the Messiah. I'm going to wipe you out. He did what was expected of him. He allowed them to seize him. We as Christians need to take a couple of things from the, these, these scriptures, these verses. Number one, we should not pray. We should learn to pray. We should ask for prayer. We should ask for help. We should depend upon God, the leading of the Spirit, the guiding of the Spirit. And when he has answered us, we need to be confident in what he has given us to do. Now, you know, Judas was a friend. He had shared a meal with Christ. He had shared three years of, of walking and seeing him heal people, seeing him make great sermons, teaching people all the great news. And he was greedy. He wanted money. He didn't want eternal life. He didn't want the Lord. And he turned and betrayed him. A good friend. Now, does that tell you that your good friends have to be watched? No. So you need to make sure that when you have come to a point where your life appears to be not livable, when you come to a point where you feel that there's no one that is concerned about you, that you need to do what the example of Christ has shown us to do. Number one, stop, go to a place, pray. Carry with you people who would like to pray. Ask for help from the church. The people in the church will pray. And we do a lot of that here at Dina, but it is important that we maintain that connection of praying first. You can make that request. You can ask to remove this from me, but you have to accept the fact that God is going to do what he's going to do and you submit to his will. You fully submit to his will. In doing that, you're able to undertake anything. You're able to, to handle anything that's going to come for you because he's going to protect you. 
it may not be the protection you had wanted, but it's the protection that you need. I uh, want everybody to understand that we, we are not in this alone. We're not on our own. Christ has shown us what being alone is. He was alone. He had to do this on his own. He asked for his disciples to help him, and they did not. They could not. When they did help, they were aggressive, when in fact what he wants us to do is to understand that our fight is a spiritual fight. It's not a physical one. It's against powers and principalities, and we need to be ready to move with our faith in the Lord, move with the scriptures that we have, the things that are in our minds that has been put, have been put there by the Lord. We need to depend on those, not upon the flesh. Dini, I ask you this morning that you look, number one, to Jesus Christ, who looked, number one, to his Father, who yielded to his Father for a situation that none of us would ever want to be in nor could we be. And then he accomplished everything for us. He has an example. He's shown us what that is. He shows us how to act. We're not to get up and fight and crazy and physical, but we need to pray, look to the Lord, and act on what the Lord teaches us to do. If you all would pray with me, we will move on. Heavenly Father, uh, this morning, you have uh, given us the words in your gospel, Mark, that uh, display your son as he is uh, there anticipating what is about to come, realizing that he needs to come to you. And he comes and you give him strength. And he submits, oh, Father, and he has saved us all. We pray, Lord, that we would recognize this, that we would uh, take that example, keep it in our hearts and minds, and carry with us for our, our entire lives. In your son's precious name, we pray. Amen.